Good morning, everyone. <clears throat> Welcome here to our uh, morning service at Calvary Baptist Church of Tehern. Also, welcome to those, uh, once again, to those people with us via internet and also here in town, FM Signal 88.7. Welcome. Please open your hymnals on number 111. 111. What will you do with Jesus? 111. Jesus is standing in Pilate Hall, friendless, forsaken, betrayed by all, marking what made in the sudden call. What will you do? This morning that we can ask that question, how important it is for us to consider the account of Pilate and how that Pilate had the opportunity to turn to the true God and to know the Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior. And yet Pilate chose to sign the death warrant for the Lord Jesus Christ. 
We're thankful today that each person that's alive and each person that's listening to us here today has an opportunity to choose. Some have chosen already, some are saved. We're thankful for each one that's listening and is saved. We're thankful for those that are listening and they're not saved. But we pray that they would see the need to choose wisely today. To choose to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, the, the Jesus Christ of, this, of the Bible, not the one of the world, but the one of the Bible, that they would know thy forgiveness and thy truth in their hearts. We thank thee for the freedom we still enjoy in Canada. We can still gather as we do here openly. We're thankful for that. We realize that persecution is on the rise in Canada. We realize that so far there's been religious groups that have been been uh, some of their leaders have been imprisoned some have been fined and we realize also that a few true bodies of believers including ourselves have also been fined and we're thankful father that in spite of that we can continue on we can continue to serve thee and we want to take the position of peter and john who rejoiced that they were found worthy to suffer for the lord jesus christ we want to be found worthy of thee we want to glorify thee and help others to know the truth. And so we pray for thy protection. We know that we could be hit further by the government, by wicked people, but we want to be, remain faithful and we ask for thy protection that we would be faithful, that we would not give in to the wickedness that's all around us, but that we would want to glorify thee and help others to know the truth. We thank thee for the many countries we are able to reach into and pray that thy word would go forth in power. We continue to pray for Amy and for her needs that she has, that thy will would be accomplished, that she would know thy peace and blessing in her life. We pray for others that need to be here, that uh, they would see the importance of thy house and the importance of truth and want thy blessing in their lives as well. So may thy will be done here today. May we allow thee to direct our thoughts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And over to uh, 423. 423. We have a story to tell. 423. Thank you. 
Savior is 
Take your Bibles and turn to the book of the Revelation. <clears throat> Continuing our study through that book, which gives us a picture into the future, a glimpse into what is coming in the future for the world. from chapter 11 and we're going to read there from verse 15 through to the end of verse 19 this morning. Revelation chapter 11 beginning there at verse 15 and through to the end of verse 19 and we'll stand please for the reading of God's word. It says there in verse 15, and the, and the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders which sat before God on their seats fell upon their faces and worshipped God, saying, we give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and wast and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hast reigned. And the nations were angry, and thy wrath is come, and the time of the dead that they should be judged, and that thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants, the prophets, and to the saints, and them that fear thy name, small and great. And shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. And the temple of God was opened in heaven, and there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament. And there were lightnings, and voices, and thunderings, and an earthquake and great hail. Our Heavenly Father, we're thankful this morning that we have thy word. We're thankful again for giving us this warning of things to come, not good things on this earth, good things in heaven, but not good things on this earth. We pray again for anyone that's listening today that's not saved, that they might understand that there's nothing good ahead for them if they continue on the current path that they're on. They're headed for destruction. But they can change that today. They can turn to thee and trust in thee and through thy Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, for their salvation today. And so we would pray that people listening that are not saved, that they might see the importance of paying attention and of trusting in thee turning to thee in repentance and trusting in thy Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to save them. We thank thee for each one that is saved. Pray that we would be encouraged to walk faithfully with thee and to seek to live in such a way as to be a help to others that they could also know thy peace and blessing. So may thy will be accomplished as we look into these verses, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> The title of the message this morning is simply The Sound of the Seventh Trumpet. The Sound of the Seventh Trumpet. The Bible makes it very clear that God is love. A lot of people believe that. God is love. And God is love. The problem is that most people that talk about the fact that God is love they have no understanding of what the love of God is. They equate the love of God to the 
superficial love that is very common amongst us as people. But the love of God is much different than the common idea of love on this earth. The Bible tells us that God is love, and that love is pure, and that love is holy. That love cannot accept sin into his presence. That's why the Lord Jesus Christ came. He came to lay down his life. He came to shed his blood to make it possible for man to be forgiven, to be saved, so that they could know the peace of God and be able to go into the presence of this God of love, this holy and pure God who cannot allow sin into his presence. Part of the love of God which is misunderstood is the fact that God must deal with sin. He cannot allow sin to run rampant. He cannot allow sin to just go by and just shrug his shoulders and say, oh well. And most people don't understand that. They don't understand the importance of holiness and that sin needs to be dealt with. And that's a problem that we as people have that we have received from the devil who wants us to believe that whatever we do, it's all good. It's all good. I remember uh, a woman in one church that we pastored and that was one of her sayings. It's all good. It's all good. Well, no, it's not all good. The only way it can be good is when God is in charge. So as we look at this passage today, we see things going on in heaven, but we also see things going on on this earth. The things going on in heaven are good. The things going on on earth are not good. And so the first point that we have is that the end is in sight. The end is in sight. If you look at verse 15, it says, And the seventh angel sounded. Now keep in mind that we had an interval between the sixth angel sounding his trumpet and the seventh angel. And in that interval, we were given some things that are important that are also going to be happening during the seven-year tribulation time period. But they're not part of the seven trumpets. They're they're general things that are going to be happening as these trumpets are being sounded and as the seals have been opened already and then the vials are still to come. So now the seventh angel sounds, it says here, sounded and there were great voices in heaven. It's a great thing when God is sounding. And as we're going to see that heaven, there's going to be a recognition in heaven and a thankfulness in heaven that God is God. That justice is being fulfilled. It's not that the, the 24 elders in heaven, as we read about here and are going to look at, it's not that they are rejoicing in suffering. But they are rejoicing in the fact that justice is being served. That the God that they know is true. That he is acting in complete righteousness. If God were ever once, ever once to sin, everything would be done. We would have no hope. There would be no hope for anyone And we would be in a mess. As we look at Canada, if you're paying attention, Canada is in a big mess. When you look at our judicial system today, and you look at the two-tiered system that we have, where if you are in the right place in regard to politics or in regards to power, or if you have the right amount of money, you're pretty safe. You're not going to get touched by the legal system. You can pay your way out of it. You can, you can connive your way out of it. 
But if you're just an average Joe living in Canada and you don't fall in line with what the government wants, you're in trouble. It's not a good system. It's a sad situation that we're in in Canada. I know if you listen to the mainstream media, they're not going to tell you that. They're going to tell you that things are getting better. And uh, we know just like we've gone through the month of June and all that people want to do is express their love for one another. Interestingly, if you paid attention to the news, there was one person, just one person at the Calgary Stampede that wore a t-shirt that said, thank a straight person for your existence, something to that effect. If it wasn't for straight people, you and I wouldn't be here. You know that? If, if there was two men that were united together in what they call marriage state, there would never be any children from that. So the t-shirt was very straightforward. And uh, that person with that t-shirt on got their picture taken with Mr. Polivier, who is the leader of the Conservative Party, and also got his picture taken with the Premier of Alberta. And of course, the media is up in an uproar that those two people would have bothered to take their picture to identify with this man. How terrible for the country of Canada. Well, both of those people proved who they really are. They're wusses, they're cowards, and they both said, I don't agree with what's on that t-shirt. That's to be expected. But you know how one person, one person can upset the whole world, the whole country, and yet all these sodomites, even naked sodomites in Toronto, and the media shrugs it off and says, oh well, they're just expressing their love. It's very interesting how things are going in our country. But in our text again, let's go back there, and it says that we've got this great voices in heaven saying the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord. Now keep in mind, from heaven, those in heaven, they see things much differently than we do. And keep in mind that this is an angel and these voices, that the, the, this voice, these voices in heaven that we're hearing here are looking at things from God's perspective. And in, when God looks at things, everything is done. He's laying it out over so far a period of just around 6,000 years. But in his view of things, it's all done. And that's why as he's laying out the pieces on earth that we see, he's already got the whole thing laid out. And he knows which piece belongs where. And he knows exactly when to put the next piece in place. Because it's all done. It's all finished. And so here, these, this, these voices here are saying the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord. And they're saying this at around the midpoint of the tribulation. So there's still three and a half years to go. But as far as they're seeing it, the kingdoms of this world are done. And everything is going to come under the authority of the Lord. And his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. Now, it's important for us to understand, in case someone listening to me today is of the mid-trib position in your eschatology, it's important to understand that this trumpet here, if you listen to what God is telling us here with the seventh trumpet, go back in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Some people might be asking themselves right now, what's he talking about mid-trib uh, rapture? Well, there, there are three basic positions when it comes to the rapture. 
There's a pre-trib rapture, which is what any true Bible-believing Christian believes. That means that the Christians, New Testament Christians, will all be removed from this world at the sound of the trump when Jesus Christ comes in the clouds, the trump sounds, trump of the Lord sounds, and we are taken up out of this world. That's the pre-trib position. Then you have those who don't believe the Bible who believe in a mid-trib position. That we have to go through part of the tribulation and then before it really gets bad, then we're going to be taken out. That's the mid-trib position. And the mid-trib people, they look at the seventh trumpet in Revelation chapter 11 and they go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and if you look at verse 52 and it says there, well, let's go to verse one, 51, I mean. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass a saying that, it, that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. So because the seventh trumpet in Revelation chapter 11 that we just read about today is the last of the seven trumpets, they take that and they go back to 1 Corinthians 15 and it talks about the last trump in verse 52. So, naturally, we've got a trumpet, and we've got a trumpet. Trumpets are all trumpets, so therefore it must be the same, right? No. You've got to pay attention to what you're reading. It's called hermeneutics. Hermeneutics is the science of properly dividing the word of truth. 2 Timothy 2.15. That we need to rightly divide the word of truth. The mid-trip position does not rightly divide the word of truth. Okay, what does it say in 1 Corinthians chapter 15? What does it say in verse 54? Death is swallowed up in victory. When you take the seventh trumpet in Revelation chapter 11, are there going to be more people dying after that? Yes, lots. We've still got half of the tribulation. Massive numbers of people are going to die yet. Are there going to be people dying in the millennium? Yes. So, obviously, the trumpet in 1 Corinthians 15 is not the trumpet of Revelation 11. It tells us that they're two different time frames. And so, it's very important that we not just close our Bibles, shut off our minds. The guy says, trumpet, trumpet, trumpet. Oh, it's all the same. Okay, he says it's right. It's a mid-trib. Okay, that must be what it is. No. God expects us to think, and he expects us to rightly divide the word of truth. Rightly divide the word of truth. The other position which people hold to is the post-trib rapture, which is also known as the hiccup position. Now, a hiccup is something that happens in a moment of time, and that's it. That's what that position is. We're going to quickly go up and then come right back down in the millennium. That's why it's called the hiccup position. It's also not a biblical position, but we're not going to go into that one today. But those are the three main positions that are held in regard to the rapture. And again, there's only one that's right, and that's the biblical position, which is that when Jesus Christ comes back in the clouds, he takes all the Christians, New Testament Christians, out, and then the Antichrist is installed as the world leader. The world leader who is in defiance of God and who is going to try to wipe out the nation of Israel and Christianity, get rid of it all, thinking, just as John Lennon Lennon wrote in his song, imagine that everything is going to be peace and bliss when there's no God, no religion, no heaven, and no hell. 
And you can imagine that all you want. It doesn't change the facts. There is a heaven, there is a hell, and there is a God. And so rather than trying to imagine him away, the wise person says, I want to know him. And you know what? God is working in the heart and life of every individual to help them to want to turn to him. But the sad thing is that most people are saying, I don't want you, get out of my life, stay away from me. And eventually God says, okay, you don't want me, you don't have to have me. But hell is not a pretty place. It's not a good place. So as we look at our text again in Revelation chapter 11, it's important for us to look at what it's saying there. And it's talking about this seventh angel that's sounding, and it's talking about the great voices in heaven, and it's telling us that the kingdoms of this world are going to be, this is talking about the end of everything. When the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of God. a different time than Revelation or than 1 Corinthians chapter 15. <clears throat> now, another thing that we need to understand in regard to the mid-trip position, if you go in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. If we accept the Bible as the word of God, we can answer any false teaching, any false theology, any heresy that's out there. We can answer it if we believe the Bible. If you don't believe the Bible, you're in trouble. You're like a wave tossed, and fru, tossed to and fro with the wind. You, you don't have a position. You can't have a position because you're never sure because... You hear an argument over here, and you may be settled. Well, that's a good argument. Then someone else will come along, and it's a little bit sharper, a little more subtle, and he gives you an argument. Wow, that one hits me. That's, that's even better than this one over here. I think I'm going to switch to this one over here. And that's how it is with the lost. They're, they're ever learning and never coming to the knowledge of the truth. The Bible says that. People that are ever learning and never coming to the knowledge of the truth. The world is full of them. But in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, in verse 10, it says there, And to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus. Notice the last phrase there. Which delivered us from what? The wrath to come. What is the wrath that is to come? The tribulation. Those who are saved are delivered from that wrath. So to suggest that we have to go through part of the wrath of God to get delivered from the wrath of God doesn't make sense. We're not going to be here during that time. We're saved. Go to chapter 5 and verse 9. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 9. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 9. It says, Therefore God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Born-again Christians are not appointed by God unto wrath. And the tribulation is a time of God's wrath. So, again, the Bible is clear. All we have to do is be saved, believe what the Bible says, and live by that. And forget about the false teachers. If you read our devotional this morning... You know that we're talking there in Galatians chapter 2. The Apostle Paul is writing to the Galatians who are being tempted to buy into the lie that Christians have to be circumcised in order to be saved. And Paul 
clearly identifies those people. He says they are false brethren. And you know what? Paul didn't make that up. He was given those words by God. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And so Paul is identifying these people as false brethren. They're not saved. They were in amongst the Christians in Galatia, but they were in there because they were trying to spy out the liberty that the Galatians had. They knew that the Galatians had something that they did not have. And you know, just like we see today, rather than them going to the Christian Galatians and saying, what is it that gives you this liberty that we don't have? What, what's missing in our lives? Instead of them doing that, they want to go to those Christians and say, you can't have liberty, you need to be bound by circumcision. And if you don't do this and do this, you could lose your salvation. You're on a very shaky ground. And that's how lost false religions are today too. They want to keep their attendees on shaky ground. You're never sure. But God, he wants us to be at liberty. He doesn't want us to be bound by sin and bound by works that can't do anything for us anyway. He wants us to be set free. And we can be set free. Back in our text in verse 16 of Revelation chapter 11, it says, And the four and twenty elders which sat before God on their seats fell upon their faces and worshipped God. See, there we see an expression of worship. Now, not everybody that falls on their face is falling down before God. Muslims, if you've ever seen a picture of them in their prayer time, they're always, the men have their knees on their prayer mats and, and they're bowing down their faces to the ground and bowing down before Allah, false God. So falling down doesn't mean you're worshiping God, but these 24 elders, keep in mind, they're in heaven. There's no Allah in heaven. There's no Satan in heaven. So they're falling down in, in giving a picture here of their worship of the true God. They are picturing, showing us that they are completely submitted to God. Completely. There's no fighting against God there whatsoever. On this earth, I would say that every Christian, we have some reservation in completely surrendering to God because of our sin nature. Even a Christian today, the Bible says the old man is still there trying to interfere. And we need to put him to death. We need to mortify the old man. The Bible tells us that. <clears throat> so even though a person is saved, the devil is still trying to interfere. But in heaven he can't do that. And so these 24 elders... It says here that they're sitting before God, but when this seventh angel sounds his trumpet, they are going to fall down on their faces and worship God. They are again acknowledging the true God as exactly that, the true God. No reservation. They are sold out to God. 100%. And every Christian, when the rapture takes place and we enter into heaven, we will be 100% sold out to God. There will be no reservation then. There will be no hindrance of the old man. That's gone. <clears throat> so in verse 17, it tells us, a little bit more about these 24 elders, it says, saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and wast and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hast reigned. O Lord God Almighty, there is no greater God. The God of heaven 
has already overthrown all false gods and that's why it's so foolish for anybody to choose to follow any false religion because it's a useless thing completely useless it keeps a person from knowing God's peace that's what the Bible tells us some people don't understand that they think but there's got to be good in other religions read your Bible There is nothing good. When you have a false God and a false Jesus and a false Savior and false ways of salvation, what's good there? So it's very important for us to understand that. And so here these 24 elders, they are identifying who is this Lord God Almighty, which art and wast and art to come. From everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. God, that's what the Bible says. From everlasting. How long is everlasting? See, there are people, I hear it all the time. People say, yeah, I've had this pair of shoes forever. Or I've had this car forever. Or I've had this item of clothing forever. They don't, they don't even think what they're talking about. There's nothing that we have that we've had forever. If we're saved, we have eternal life, which is forever, but that's something that was given to us at some point in time. But when it comes to God, we have a God who has no beginning, but he also has no ending, and he's always present. We can never say... Yesterday God was here, but today he's not. He's always present. He's always in the present. And for the person that is saved, that's a beautiful thing. There's never a moment in time, whether it's in the middle of the day or the middle of the night, there's never a moment in time when you cannot call out to God and he will hear you if you're his child. Never. You can call upon him. If you can't sleep at night, you can start thinking about a Bible verse. You can pray to God. You can sing a hymn to God. Whatever it is, he's always there for you. And that's who the 24 elders are praising here. They're thanking him. Why? Because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hast reigned. So God is withholding his power right now. When Jesus Christ was on earth, if you read in John chapter 17, Jesus prayed to his father in heaven and asked his father to give him back the glory that he had before the world was. And he set aside that glory to come to this earth. Jesus withheld his glory from us so that we could that the people of that time could look upon him when when uh, Jesus took Moses or took uh, Peter and James and John up to the mount of transfiguration in Matthew 17 and they saw the glorified Jesus Peter wasn't thinking straight he hadn't been on any drugs he didn't drink any alcohol He just saw the glory of Jesus Christ in that moment and it was too much for him and it was too much for the other two as well. But Peter was the outspoken man. And that wasn't even Jesus' full glory. But he couldn't handle it. And here in our text it tells us that God has taken power, his great power, And he's reigning. That's talking again for us today. It's future. For John, it was future. But John, because he was taken up to heaven, he was seeing as if it was present for him because he was out of this realm and into the heavenly realm. And But yet, physically speaking, where we are today, what we're reading here is future. It hasn't happened. It's going to happen, but it hasn't happened. The second thing that we see here is that the nations were angry. The 24 elders are still talking in verse 18. And it says, And the nations were angry, and thy wrath is come, and the time of the dead, that they should be judged, 
and that thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants, the prophets, and to the saints, and them that fear thy name, small and great, and shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. So again, this is looking even beyond the time that John is describing here. Because it's talking about the time when the dead are going to be judged. When is that going to happen? Well, the Bible tells us in Revelation 20, that time is at the end of the millennium at the great white throne judgment. That's when the dead are going to be raised up. The dead, it's talking about, are those who are lost. And the lost are dead. You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. A lost person, even though he's breathing, he can run, he can jump, he can holler, do whatever he wants to do, but he's dead. He's spiritually dead. And the dead are going to be raised up after the end of the millennium and going to stand before God at the great white, before Jesus Christ, who is God, at the great white throne judgment and going to be judged according to the books that are going to be opened and all of their evil deeds are going to be revealed and then they're going to be cast into the lake of fire. That's what the elders are talking about here in verse 18. But you notice as well, while they're talking about that, it says, and shouldest give reward unto thy servants, the prophets. Now, are there any prophets today? No. So what's it talking about here? Old Testament saints. When were the prophets on the earth? Old Testament and into the time of Jesus Christ and just after Jesus Christ. In the book of Acts, we still read of prophetesses. But as the Bible was completed, there was no longer any need for prophets. So the prophets being spoken of here, Old Testament saints are not raised at the rapture. You need to understand that. In the first resurrection, the Bible talks about the first resurrection and talks about the second resurrection. The first resurrection are all the saints, but the first resurrection comes in different time spots. The church age saints are raised at the rapture. Then at the end of the tribulation, the Old Testament saints are raised, and they will also reign with us in the millennium. So there's a, there's a, there's a, a breakup there of the first resurrection. But all of the saints from the time of Adam, all that would be called saints by God up until the last saint will all be resurrected before the great white throne judgment takes place. They all have their place already before that. And then at the great white throne judgment, that's when all the lost people from the time of Cain, all of those people will be raised up at that resurrection. So it tells us here in verse 18 again, the prophets, there's a reward for thy servants of prophets and to the saints and them that fear thy name, small and great, and shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. So who is a saint? A saint is something who fears God's name. Not in the sense of I'm afraid I'm going to go and hide from him, but that holy reverence that we need to have for God. He says it, I believe it, I'm going to follow him. And when we have that fear in our lives, then we're not scared of the government saying, there's a deadly virus coming on the stage and it's going to kill millions of people and you might be one of them. You better get your shots. You see, when we have the fear of God in our hearts the way we should, that kind of stuff just kind of goes in one ear and out the other. We listen to it. And we listen, is there any truth here? Is there any, something here we need to pay attention to? But as we listen to God, he helps us to understand, are these guys lying to us or are they telling us the truth? And we can figure it out. We don't have to be scientists. The government has told us so many times, we're following the science. They're a bunch of liars. 
They're not following the science. <clears throat> so we can know, but if we have the fear of God, if we have this biblical fear that we need to have, we can figure things out. We don't always have the answer right away, but if we walk humbly with God and walk patiently with him, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. We need to walk patiently with God. He knows everything. We don't. But he wants to reveal to us the things that we need to know if we will walk humbly with him. He'll reveal it to us. It's not going to be a bolt of lightning. It's not going to speak audibly to us. But as we look at the word of God and as we look at what people are saying, we can figure things out because God gives us that ability. And who gets the glory? God does, not us. God gets the glory. See, that's the difference. That's the big difference that we need to understand. It's God that gets the glory when we follow him humbly. But the nations, it tells us, they're going to be angry. Think about foolish people, you know, angry with God. How dare you? Yeah, really, be angry. Go ahead. Have at it. What a waste of energy. But that's coming. We see it today. Psalm 2 talks about it. God laughing at the nations because of their, their fussing about him. useless but they're doing it and then the third point we have is the true temple of God in heaven verse 19 and the temple of God was opened in heaven in heaven now we know that on this earth God told Solomon to build him a temple David wanted to do it he couldn't do it God said no I'm not going to let you do it so what did David do? David listened to God, and he did what he could do. He prepared the things that he could prepare for that temple. He got some timbers together. He got some gold and silver together. He got some things together so that when Solomon took the throne, that there was some preparation made, made it easier for Solomon to put that temple together and to have it built for the glory of God. Well, the nation of Israel turned away from God, and God said, I'm going to punish you. You don't want to listen to me. You're consistently defying me. I'm going to punish you. I'm going to chase you out of your land. And he did that. And when he did that, he invited the Babylonians to come in and destroy that temple. Destroyed it. Well, 70 years later, God said to the nation of Israel, you can go back to your homeland now. And Cyrus, an ungodly king, made a decree. Imagine that. An ungodly king says you, any Jew that wants to go back to Israel can go back. And not only that, but their government, the Medes and the Persians, they decided we're going to fund your return back to Israel. Amazing, isn't it? That's how God works. And so in the time of Ezra, they went back and they started to rebuild the temple. But the people got their eyes off of the, the, the goal and they were more concerned about building their own houses than they were in building a temple. And so Haggai was raised up by God to remind the people, you came back here, God brought you back here to build a temple. I've said that to many people that have asked me, if they want to move somewhere, and I said, is there a good church there? Well, no. I said, what do you want there then? Has God called you to start a church? Well, no. Then what do you want there? If you don't have a church, you have nothing. And in the Old Testament, the temple was to be the center of life for the people. And here they were coming back from 70 years of exile, and they were more concerned about building houses than they were in building a temple. Finally, that temple got built. And then King Herod, being a, a good politician, wanted to have favor with the Jews. So he spent 46 years rebuilding that temple. 46 years. That's more than half of my lifetime. Rebuilding that temple. And then in 70 AD, that temple 
was destroyed by the Romans. Gone. You go to Israel today, there's not, the Bible says, not be one stone left upon another. You go to Israel today, you won't find one stone upon another to, another to say, we know this is where the temple was. Nobody in Israel today knows where that temple was. And then the Bible says that the Antichrist is going to build a temple. That's coming yet. It isn't there yet now. The, the, the Jews are anxious to have a temple. And when the Antichrist comes and offers them that, they're going to just embrace him fully. Because he's going to give them a temple. They don't care whether it's a good temple or not. He's going to have, they're going to have a temple. And it's not going to be a good temple. But they're going to have a temple. And that temple is going to be destroyed by Jesus Christ at the end of the tribulation. And then he's going to put a temple in Jerusalem. And here in our text we read about the temple that's in heaven. And when we read on further in the book of the Revelation, we see that the holy, the holy city of Jerusalem is going to be a, a floating city between heaven and earth with the temple in it. And this temple, the temple that Solomon built, which was the best of them all, was only a picture of this temple in heaven. And in this temple in heaven, you see that in this temple was the Ark of His Testament. Now that's the ark that was in the holiest place in the temple in Jerusalem. That's where the Ten Commandments were. It's where, where Aaron's, uh, the bowl of manna that they, Aaron's rod was in there that budded, but also the bowl of manna when the children of Israel were wandering in the wilderness. They were told to, to take one bowl of that manna and to place it in the Ark of the Testament. Over time, those things got lost. But in heaven, we have the true Ark of the Testament that's always been there. It's always been there. And you notice also that with this holy sight that John is seeing, we've got lightnings, we've got voices, we've got thunderings, we've got an earthquake, and we've got great hail. So God is impressing upon Mankind, again, his power, his holiness, his righteousness, and the danger that there is in being outside of his place of blessing. We've had hail at our place this year three times. Two times it was about pea-sized hail. Didn't do any damage to anything. One time it was about the size of loonies are almost the size of a golf ball and that did some damage you'd never know it today if you look at our garden now there was potato branches broken off uh, onion greens broken off some of the tomatoes had branches broken off but you can't see it now they've recovered well but we had some damage from that hail that's the power of God to make those ice balls and to slam them down upon the earth to cause damage. When that was hitting our windows, we thought they were going to break. It was hitting pretty hard. That's the power of God. We need to understand that power. We need to have a reverence for that power. And we need to know that God. And his lightning. It's not just there us to be in awe of but it's there to remind us there's a God who is creating that lightning it's not an accident it's not clouds crashing into each other and causing lightning it's God that is causing that and he wants us to know him and he wants us to live in the fear of him and holy reverence of him and be blessed in that and certainly during the time of the tribulation, there's going to be a need for these kinds of things to be demonstrated to man because man is going to be so engrossed with the Antichrist. That's their man. He's the one. He just needs enough time. That's all. Just give him enough time. That's going to be the mentality of people. This is our man. And we're not seeing the results we want yet. But just give him a little more time and he'll fix it for us. 
And God is going to be showing them that man will never fix anything. He couldn't fight himself out of a wet paper bag. He's so useless, but you are trusting in him. Meanwhile, God is going to be showing, I'm the one you need to know. I'm the one that you have rejected. So the seventh trumpet, very important trumpet that God is going to be sounding at a particular time in the future. Don't be confused with the trumpet in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Don't be confused with the trumpet at the time of the rapture. Take a look at scripture in its context. Follow what the word of God says and honor him in your thinking. Let him direct your thoughts. And of course you need to be saved in order for him to do that. And if you're saved, then walk with him and Warn your neighbors, warn your family, warn others that there's trouble ahead. Far worse than what we're seeing on the physical scene right now. It's pretty bad right now, but it's going to be much worse, and it's a spiritual problem that's the issue. To be bankrupt and die is not a crime, but to be lost and die, that is, that is the worst thing that can happen to a person. Choose wisely. Choose the Lord. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're thankful this morning that we have thy word. We're thankful that we can study thy word. Thankful for this passage that thou didst give to John. For his benefit, for our benefit. That we can know some things that are coming. We can prepare for it. We can warn others. And I pray, Father, for the many around us that don't care aren't interested and will be shocked one day if they don't wake up. Help us to not lose sight of the issues, not to lose hope. Help us not to be discouraged, but to continue to remind people and to warn people that they might come to know the peace of God in their hearts and know thy blessing. We pray in Jesus' name.